0: Welcome to another inspirational message from Northwest Church. We pray this message encourages and inspires you. If you would like any more information on what your next step may be, please visit our website at northwestchurch.com.au.
1: We don't serve a God who doesn't exist. We have faith that you are real, that you love us, that you seek to bless your children, And Lord, we ask that this morning, as we seek you, that you would be the rewarder of all those who diligently seek you in Jesus' name. Amen. Men, you may be seated this morning. Welcome. I think that Nate's story and my story and maybe maybe some other people's story in here today, if we were to go pre-following Jesus and post-following Jesus, say hope is the difference. That before my hope was in what was coming around the corner or the next party that I was invited to or the holiday that was coming up. But now hope is something that's so much more sure and so much more certain. Um, so welcome today and I hope that you get a little bit of understanding of that hope here today. I read a story recently and really it was about the search, a young guy's search for meaning and significance and identity. And uh, this young guy, his, his search took him on a massive adventure where he encountered a bunch of different characters and, um, and, and I don't know if you've been there. I remember as a young girl not fitting, not feeling like I fit inside my family. And uh, I, I, as a young girl, I started to daydream who my real family might be and why they'd left me. <laughs> but, uh, but we sometimes have this, you know, thought of maybe not fitting and, and we go on this search for identity and meaning and significance. Well, this young fella, from the moment he woke up, his mother was absent from the moment he opened his eyes, he couldn't see his mother and it was all penned inside this book called Are You My Mother? And um, the little bird dropped out of the nest and he couldn't fly yet and so he went on a search just looking around trying to find who his mother was and first of all he came across a cat and it was strange that he asked the cat if the cat was its mother because we all know where cats are spawned for, from and he didn't wake up in hell so... Um, I'm Sorry, if you're here for the first time this morning, that's not a religious belief that Christians have. This is my personal belief. No other creature rubs itself against you like, I love you, I love you, and then turns and walks away and waves its butt at you. No, that's just cats. Okay, and so then he went to a hen, and um, the hen, you know, no, I'm not your mother. Then he went to a dog, and and the dog did what all good dogs would do, just spoke the truth in love and said, I'm not your mother, I'm a dog, said the dog. And so then he kept looking, and he wondered if a a boat was his mother, if a plane was his his mother. Um, He Readily recognized that a dozer would not be his mother, but the dozer fortuitously did pick him up and drop him back in the nest where his mother came in, regurgitated a worm into his mouth, and he understood at last that he was home and that he'd found his mother. And uh, and I, I I I just love it. It's a beautiful story. And um, and you know what? Like, it's a it's a it's a book, obviously, but it's got this profound title. And you might say, Bron, that's the title because that's the question that the bird kept asking. Is it though? Or is it the ramifications of a search for identity? Or is it that, you know, that we all are on this endless, you know, endemic displacement kind of understanding or we've got confusion around our family of origin? Is that what's really going on? Probably not. It's just that the bird's asking for its mother. But, but I, I was thinking about it in terms of a search for identity and the things that have an impact on our search for identity. And one, I would say, is definitely parentage. Definitely parentage. And uh, another, I believe, would be postcode. You know, where you were born, where you grew up. And um, I don't know. Troy was telling a story in our pre-service prayer meeting about how he's from Coldale. He owned that with pride, and he said that Bron's from the Ritchie area. And I was like, Ritchie area? No one told me I was from the Ritchie area. That's awesome. I'm looking across town all the time at the Ritchie area, but that's cool if I live there. And uh, but where, wherever your postcode might be, I've got some family in Campbelltown. And you ask one of them where they're from, and they say they're from Sydney. You ask another one where they're from, and they're, they say, Yeah, we're from Campbelltown. Two five six eight, bro. Let's all get tattoos, eh? Yeah hey beep. yeah I think I mixed a few suburbs maybe there but um but yeah, they're super proud of where they came from, but our postcode has an impact on our identity, and uh, I wouldn't know about that because I'm off the land um but um but we, that it has an impact in it, and it it kind of can you know we might be proud of where we're from or we might be ashamed of where we're from, and whether it's our parentage or our postcode or even our past, you know the things that we've done in our past we kind of. They have an impact on who we think we are moving forward. And our parentage, our postcode, our past, we spend our lives trying to defy or acquiesce to those things, to live up to them or to say, no, no, I'm going to live beyond them. Our parentage, our postcode and our past. And I thought of one more thing that impacts our identity, and that's numbers. Isn't it crazy that numbers can have such an impact on our identity? Like the tiny little numbers on the scale of a morning can have an impact on your whole day. It will change the way you feel about yourself, it will change the outfit choice that you have and they're just these tiny little numbers in the morning. How did that happen? How is it that our bank statement, uh, the, you know, when we click on the internet, banking makes us have a good or a bad day? How is it that a number on a bill can impact the entire week and stress us out? How is it that a, a number like a Dow Jones being in the red or in the green can, can impact our emotional state? When will we ever know what the Dow Jones even is? And yet it still impacts our emotional state. Uh, You know, how is it that the number of likes or the number of followers could impact our state of mind? Numbers can have an impact on who we think we are. And so today I want to look at what God says about these things, about our parentage, about our postcode, about our past, and about numbers and how they impact the most important number to Him. And I'm going to look at it this morning from the Bible And if you're new here this morning, Bible just is a word that means scroll or parchment, but has come to mean uh, the Christian scriptures. And it's made up of the Old Testament and the New Testament. And Christians, those who follow Jesus, they believe that the scriptures are God-breathed that either before or during or after the things were written down or probably a combination of all of them, that God put his kind of life into these words that, it, that became not just a book but something that was living and active. And, uh, and so that, that even across time, like naturally, the manuscripts that they've found of the originals are so many and so vast and have such minuscule differences that they've counted them as accurate historical documents but also that, that it's life to us and that it's together put together um, to help us. So, oh, I can't, I don't know if I can move from the Bible to here, but when I Googled Are You My Mother, I think there's a picture of all the Are You, Where You Can Buy Are You My Mother books. Did we get that mic? Actually, I think I'm not, that was in the middle of it. What even? Why is Donald Trump in the middle? I guess children's books, it all makes sense. We can take that off. I don't mean to be disrespectful. Okay, back to the Bible. Um, okay. Uh, scriptures, Bible. Okay, so the Old Testament is mainly made up of um, a, a, an account, mainly recording the history of a people group called the Israelites. Now, these Israelites were uh, enslaved for hundreds of years and then they were refugees and then they invaded, and then they were conquerors, and then they were occupiers of a nation, then they were sovereign of a nation, and then they were invaded, and then they were exiled, and then they were enslaved again, and then they were released, and then they um, kind of occupied again, but then they were occupied again as they were invaded once more. Turbulent kind of history and And this Israelites, we call them Jews today and you know that that's continued even up until very recent times if you studied modern history at school and still continues even today. So kind of this turbulent history of these people written down in the Old Testament. But the one thing that they had across this turbulent history is they knew who their father was. They had their national identity was that God was their father. That's how they viewed themselves. Whatever else comes against us, the one thing that we've got is that God who we worship is the father of our nation. Now, that didn't mean that they were all born from God, but they believed that God chose them and had stamped his identity and his name to their nation. And so they thought, well, that's something to be proud of. Everything else might be horrific, but that's something to be proud of. And the Old Testament records how they um, lived up to the name of God or as more often was the case, didn't, leave it up to that name. And so enter the scene, Jesus, and Jesus, um, if you know the Christmas story, born of a virgin, not born naturally, comes to earth, God incarnate, to show us how to live and to pay the price on the cross for our sins. He, he comes to earth and he starts to challenge the status quo. The Israelites say to him, well, who is your father? And it was a theological point, yes. Because they said, we know who our father is. That's their national identity. We know who our father is. Who is your father? But they were also having a crack around the circumstances surrounding Jesus' birth. And they were essentially calling him a bastard. They were calling him a name. They were were putting it out there that that they were just trying to a jaded, or not so jaded, not so veiled jab at him and a shrouded point. It was theological, but it was also natural. But you see, they were making this little point. Jesus was making a much bigger point they'd drawn a circle around their nation and said we're in and everybody else is out and Jesus said i'm going to take your circle i'm going to bust it wide open and make sure everybody knows that they're welcome jesus began his ministry by being completely inclusive in john chapter 3 verse 16 it says god loved the people of this world so much that he gave his only son so that everyone can people say everyone here this morning Everyone who has faith in him will have eternal life and never really die. God did not send his son into the world to condemn its people. He sent him to save them. Now, this message was so compelling that it was the first message preached in the early church when the Christian church just kicked off after Jesus had died and resurrected. This is the first message that's preached in Acts chapter 2, verse 21. And everyone, can you say everyone? I don't usually do that. I have a strange sense of power. Um, And everyone, everyone? Yeah, you're like not doing it anymore. Um, who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. This is the first message. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Okay, so Jesus is busting open the circle of who's in and who's out. But what does that actually mean? Well, it goes on to, to say that this has enormous ramifications. John chapter 1, verse 12 puts it like this. But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. So he was redefining our parentage. 1 John chapter 3, verse 1 says, See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. So it's saying that, that God loved us so much that He called us His children. That he desired for us to be his children. In the book of Isaiah, it describes the attribute and nature of God. And one of the phrases that it uses is everlasting father. Everlasting father. Now for the Jews in a patriarchal age, it was so vitally important to them that they knew who their father was. Maybe for you today, the concept of father is a little bit more complicated. But I can assure you that right through the Bible, God doesn't just describe himself with fatherly attributes. He describes himself as a father, but not just with fatherly attributes, but with motherly attributes as well. In the book of Psalms, David says that I have learnt to feel safe and satisfied like a weaned child on his mother's lap. That's how I feel when I'm with you, God. He also, Jesus standing on a mountain in Jerusalem crying because people were misunderstanding him. He says, my children... How I've longed to gather you to myself like a mother hen gathers her chicks underneath her wings. He is redefining our parentage. He desires to parent us. He desires to parent you. Redefining our parentage. So how, how, if he's redefined our parentage, how about our postcode? You see, the Jews, like I said, they thought they were in and everybody else was out. In fact, they were so arrogant about that that they called everybody else Gentiles. Everybody that was not one of them was a Gentile. So there were a bunch of different nations, but they just all got tarred with the one brush. I want you to imagine for a moment that me standing up here, I referred to the two groups of people in Tamworth as the whites and the non-whites. You would all be horrified and rightly so. Well, that is how the Jews defined their postcode. We're in the right place because we don't even need to know what everybody else is. It would be like Jerry and Betty and Tia and everyone else saying, "There's the Fijians," and then there's everybody else who'd be like, "Really, Jerry? Really?" And uh, no, no, okay. And um, and so that that's the kind of arrogance that it is. And they're saying, "There's us," and then everybody else, where they're from, and we don't care about them. Well. The message of the early church in Romans chapter 10, verse 12, righted that. It says, For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. No difference. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all, somebody say all, yeah, who call on Him. For everyone, someone say everyone, who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone. We've all been given the right postcode. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Our parentage redefined, our postcode redefined, that everybody is in. You know, the Jews were having the ultimate, she doesn't even go here call. But Jesus is like, no, everybody can go here if they want to. No one watches Mean Girls anymore. So. What about our past? Parentage redefined, postcode redefined, what about our past? 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says this, This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone and a new life has begun. If you decided to follow Christ today and your old life is gone and you're glad to leave it behind. Can you just give me a wave here this morning? Anyone? There's a few in this place. If you want to hang on to it, that's up to you. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us we speak for Christ when we plead come back to God come back to God come back to God because he waits for us and he says I want to deal I want to redefine your parentage I want to redefine your postcode I want to redefine your past I want to leave that behind and I want to bring you in and I want to parent you like you should be parented many of you know that my father died when I was a baby and um and so I never knew him and my stepfather was a great man fantastic man, and um, but due to family dynamics and whatnot, I really didn't even have meaningful conversations with him until I was a late teenager. And so that was pretty much from eight weeks old until I was a late teenager that I really didn't have a father in the natural. And I used to go for walks on my farm and I knew about God, I had a knowledge of God, I knew that he was supposed to be our father and I just talked to him. And he honestly was the best father that I could have ever wished for. I felt more loved by him than I could have ever felt loved by any person. I felt fathered by him and he wants to father us. He wants to redefine our parentage, redefine our postcode and redefine our past. So if that's the case and that all impacts our identity, what about the number? What's the number that God cares about the most? Well, there's a song that we sing here at church We only generally sing it when we've got a spare few hours because it takes about the same amount of time as the number of numbers that it has in the song. Um, So I'm just going to say it for you today because we don't have time to sing it. We all want to get home for lunch. Um, It's a great song. It's amazing. And I've forgotten the first line. God of creation. God of creation, there at the start, before the beginning of time, with no point of reference, you spoke to the dark and fleshed out the wonder of light. And as you speak, a hundred billion galaxies are born. In the vapour of your breath, the planets form. If the stars were made to worship, so will I. God of your promise, you don't speak in vain, no syllable empty or void, For once you have spoken, all nature and science follow the sound of your voice. And as you speak, a hundred billion creatures catch their breath, catch your breath, evolving in pursuit of what you said. If it all reveals your nature, so will I. And then it says, God of salvation, you chase down my heart through all of my failure and pride. On a hill you created, the light of the world abandoned in darkness to die. And as you speak, 100 billion failures disappear. Where you lost your life, so I could find it here. If you left the grave behind you, so will I. I can see your heart in everything you've done. Every part designed in a work of art called love. If you gladly chose surrender, so will I. I can see your heart eight billion different ways. That's in reference to the population of our world. I can see your heart eight billion different ways. Every precious one, a child you died to save. If you gave your life to love them, so will I. If you gave your life to love them, so will I. Like you would again a hundred million times. For what measure could amount to your desire? You're the one who never leaves the one behind. The most important number to God is one. And every single one of us is that one today. Or as he puts it in Matthew chapter 18, verse 12, if a man has a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others on the hills and go out to search for the one that is lost? No, that's bad maths. Shepherd? That's silly. Look after the 99. If you go looking for the one, then someone might attack the 99. Why would you do that? It's like, because there's one out there. So I'm going to go find the one. You all look pretty happy right now. So if if it's okay with you, while you're all a bit happy, I'm just going to go out and look for the one. He's always looking for the one, searching for the one that is lost. And if he finds it, I tell you the truth, he will rejoice more over it than the 99 that didn't wander away. In the same way, it is not my heavenly Father's will that even one of these little ones should perish. And if you're one today, then you can know that God is chasing down your heart, chasing down your heart here. I've just got one story to finish off to tell you about a case where Jesus cared so much about the one. And it's in John chapter eight. A a woman is dragged before Jesus with a group of men, and this acrimonious mob throw her at his feet, and say, "What are you going to do, Jesus?" The law tells us that this woman who was caught in adultery should be put to death. What are you going to do? And Jesus looks at the situation. They were right technically, but Leviticus and Deuteronomy both stated that the man and the woman should be put to death. Where's the man? We don't know. It's just the woman on a face in the dirt. And so Jesus, with this mob of men standing around, picking up rocks ready to cast them at the woman until she dies, gets down in the dirt and begins to write. So there's all these angry people standing up and just Jesus and the woman in the dirt. What's he writing? We don't know. Maybe he's saying, God, help me with this. How do I deal with this situation? They are wondering if I'm going to defy them and Moses. Like I've been defying them and challenging the status quo all this time, but will I also defy Moses and the law? Help me to deal with this, God. What am I supposed to be doing? And he's just riding in the dirt. Maybe that's what he was thinking. Maybe he was giving them time to realize that they're human and to find some grace in their hearts towards this woman who they're so angry at they've got... Rocks ready to hurl at her. Maybe he's giving them time to come to their senses. We don't know. He's just riding in the dirt. And eventually he looks up at the men. He says, all right. Whoever's without sin, you cast the first stone. You can just imagine the silence that came across that mob of men. Looking at the woman, maybe thinking of that morning when they'd sinned or yesterday when they'd sinned. Or last week when they'd sinned. Or the thoughts that they were having towards Jesus that were making them be in sin. And one by one they dropped their rocks and they walked away. And Jesus, still down in the dirt, looks at the woman and says, Where are your accusers, woman? Now, we hear woman and kind of it seems a bit impersonal, but actually when men and women were created, man and woman were the names conferred on them by the Creator, giving them His deity, giving them his, well, not His deity, sorry, but His identity, conferring on them value, conferring on them dignity, and saying that I'm making you in my image and I indelibly stamp you with my image. So when He says, woman, He's calling her everything that He's created her to be. He says, woman, where are your accusers? And she says, they're gone, Lord. He says, well, neither do I accuse you. Go. Make better choices. Stop sinning. Go and have another crack at this. There's mercy for a new day. Go and sin no more. And she is able to walk away. Why? Because he didn't care about her parentage or the circumstances surrounding her birth. He cared about the one as a person. He didn't care about her postcode or how she could find herself in that situation. He cared about her as that one person. He didn't care about her past and what she had just been getting up to. He cared about her as that one person and said, I want to redefine your parentage. I'm going to redefine your postcode. and I'm going to redefine your past. So Lord, I pray today for every single one of us in this place, Lord, that we would have an understanding of how much you care about us. That if we were just the one, that you came to die And save that you would have done that. Lord, we pray for a better understanding of who you are calling us to be, of standing and who we are in you. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Thanks, Aunty Bronny. Can we give a hand for Aunty Bronny, please? Pastor Bronny. One of the verses that pastor bronnie spoke about was in two corinthians that when you accept christ that um the old life has gone and a new has begun and what we want to do in this service is just give people an opportunity um, to make a decision about that new life as nathan spoke about earlier and we he shared his testimony about his old life he he accepted christ and, and now he has a new life in him and a new life that we sung about in a song that says um never been so free knowing your love for for me, never been so secure, knowing your heart, a new life of freedom and security and boldness in God. So there's three different people that we want to give this opportunity. One, for people here who never have accepted Jesus, that never have started that relationship with Him. Or another group that either you have accepted or had a relationship with Jesus at one point, but you don't currently. You've turned away or you just haven't been... Um, living in in relationship with Jesus. And the last group of people is um, the people who just aren't sure. You're just not sure if you're right with God or if you do have that relationship If it's all good. So what I'm going to ask us to do, if everyone um, just out here could close your eyes and bow your heads and I'll just ask you to repeat after me. We're all going to pray this together from our hearts. Dear Lord, I thank you that you died on the cross for me. I believe that I'm now a Christian. I have a new life in you. Come into my heart. Guide me and lead me into the new life you have for me. And now why people uh, still have their eyes closed and their heads bowed, um, what I'm going to ask you to do, if you did pray this prayer from your heart for the first time, um, or you, you've recommitted or or you just wanted to be sure and and you've made that decision and prayed this prayer from your heart, what I'm going to ask you to do is just quickly raise your hand just so I can see it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. I can see your hand. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks so much. All right, guys. So now what I'm going to do, there's... Um, Quite a few people who raised your hand so i'm just going to pray for you guys that, that made that decision can everyone give a round of applause for those who did make that decision thank you so much so i'm just going to pray for you dear lord god we thank you that you have caught us we thank you uh, and accept you into our hearts so that lord god we now have a new life the lord god you've caught us and purposed um, our lives lord god that we're not here by accident That, Father, you have big things in store for us, and we thank you that as we've made this decision, Lord God, that we can step out in boldness, in courage, in love, and be purpose, knowing that you are our creator, that you love us and you've died for us. You've paid, you've paid, and already defeated everything that we're going to go through. Now we get to live life knowing that you've already paid it and you've already won. Thank you so much, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey again, thanks so much for joining us on this podcast. Whether you are new and exploring faith or a follower of Jesus, there is a next step for you. There is always room to grow, more to be done, destiny to be pursued, and people to be reached. So what's your next step? To find out,
1: head over to northwestchurch.com.au. And thanks again for listening.